Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. anybody's question but yours you're an idiot and really a disloyal person hello everyone and welcome to the disloyal idiots podcast here on the fans first sports network i'm christian who's been joined by andy pregler steve howler yet to return from the injured list we will wish him a speedy recovery and also not just because of his back but because he is children to deal with as well it is the ultimate uh you know <laughs> physically unable to perform list he's got the bad back he's got the kids there's just a lot happening there uh, and he is physically unable to be here with us today so uh christian i just i i guess that the, the number one topic that we have to jump into is did you did your acc invite get lost in the mail or uh did yours actually arrive in the last week no mine got rejected by carolina <laughs> see it's funny mine got rejected by clemson and uh, oh wow yeah. congratulations you know this is the thing as the acc looks to expand for those that did not know uh acc was looking to add a combination of stanford cal and um smu that proposal is and i, I was reading this today technically has never gotten to a vote it has gotten to the pre-vote stage where they are not, where there is not enough votes to allow it to actually happen. Um, 
And I think that there's a lot of things to dive into. You and I actually talked about this a little bit last week when about the, the idea of this. Um, I think from a logistics standpoint, it doesn't make sense. But the argument that I saw, and I know last week you and I were both talking about, like, why would they do this? Where is the argument in, like, actually doing this aside from adding more schools? The argument that I saw added, which I thought was actually kind of compelling was the idea that it sounds like Florida state is leaving no matter what, like at this point, I think we can all pretty much say Florida staying in the ACC long-term is probably not going to work out because they're either going to demand really unactionable terms long-term, or they're just going to buy their way out with Saudi money. So adding these other schools does add a layer of protection for when Florida state inevitably leaves. But the second part of this is that uh, as things continue to shift and change, having West coast inventory for ESPN is kind of important because as of now, if you look at what, and, and John, uh, uh, shout out to John Casillo, who uh, former uh, podcast host <laughs> and former news magician writer, um, as he wrote for his actual day job for TV Rev, um, this whole thing is now about television inventory. And Fox and NBC now have the only Power 5 West Coast inventory. And ESPN, once everything settles, will have nothing. And so the AAC doesn't seem likely to add Washington State or Oregon State because neither school wants to join the AAC from a from a philosophical or financial standpoint. And for ESPN, not having college football on at 10 p.m. feels like a loss, especially when Fox and NBC will have 10 p.m. kicks. And yeah, I just, I, to me personally, this makes a ton of sense if ESPN is going to foot the bill for these schools to come aboard. Yeah. I mean, that's probably one of the only ways it makes sense. Again, don't. I, I'm still, I'm still kind of fifty-fifty on it because, like, yes, I see the reason why it's good, and a lot of it is also the, um, the trying to keep up, as you mentioned, with the Big Ten and with the Big Twelve, in order to make sure that you're not falling further behind than the ACC already is in the revenue game. We, it's it's like a long it's the big elephant in the room that everyone knows that the ACC is squarely in the number four spot in terms of the conference earnings behind the SEC Big Ten and Big 12 but it's on the other hand like for the ACC the grant of rights unless Florida State is going to get that sudden influx of money based on the reporting that's been happening and there's not a lot of ways that the ACC is going to suffer financially in the short term. Long term, who knows? That's a different story, especially because no one knows how this is all going to settle in the next five, ten years, even longer, because that's when the grant of rights for the ACC goes through. And And so it's... It feels like a panic snap move 
but at the same time, it probably isn't too, too bad, I want to say, but at the same time, not necessary. It's I'm now at the mind in the mind where yeah it's so confusing whether it's actually a good move or not. I'm not sure if it's a good move, but I'm not necessarily sure it's a bad move either. If the vote went through and yeah, schools came to join the ACC. This is um I'm gonna steal a line here um from Stephen Godfrey, uh, podcaster, Twitter extraordinaire, whatever, um. He had the quote that in mo- in college athletics, when there are large sums of money involved, ambition often trumps logic. And logically, there is no reason for the ACC to expand to the West Coast or even to the Texas area. Um, that's not that's not what this conference is about. Um, that doesn't fit the brand profile. That doesn't fit anything, especially when you consider the travel from winston-salem to to stanford like that is just that is that's unfeasible like i think i think we're all in agreement there however i do think that there is a logical roadmap here to adding a like adding stanford is huge for the for the olympic sports the fact that we can talk about syracuse soccer playing stanford on a regular basis that's that's amazing like that is that's a, that was a that was a final four game uh college cup game no that 20... was that was it was almost the college cup game but unfortunately Clemson beat Syracuse on penalties to beat them to that final four to that yes. championship game and then Jordan yes. Morris happened yes Jordan Jordan Morris was the was on that Stanford team but like uh, yeah so Stanford's like the gold standard in in Olympic athletics which is something that to be to the ACC's credit like the ACC is the conference of Olympic sports. Stanford is the school of Olympic sports. So like it is a very natural fit in that regard. The problem is that Stanford is located in California and not in North Carolina or South Carolina. Um, And also not near the biggest of transport hubs either. Exactly. And so this is where the ESPN part comes into play. And again, I don't know if ESPN is going to be sitting here and uh, spending an extra $100 million a year for the ACC to like add these schools and make it worth it. And so if that's off the table, it's off the table. However, like, you know what happened this week? ESPN bought a sports book, or, or and let me rephrase, <laughs> ESPN did not buy a sports book. ESPN strategically partnered with a sports book to force out one of their biggest competitors and enter into the sportsbook space um, by partnering with Penn Gaming, pushing out Barstool from Penn, and ESPN Bet is coming this fall. And as, as like, without getting too in the weeds of this, like, sports gambling's kind of the only revenue driver in media right now. And college sports is a huge part of that. And I cannot imagine ESPN willing to sit on the sidelines and say, we have no West Coast games. Now, I think, Christian, to what you're saying, the ACC not getting involved and letting ESPN and the Mountain West or something figure out what they're going to do with uh, with the West Coast schools is probably the more logical sense here. It probably makes the most logical sense here. However, uh, have you taken a look at Syracuse's 2024 recruiting class? For football, for football, sorry. 
<laughs> man in the chair swivels. Um, I did this yeah, today. For, for, out- for those for those who are listening on your podcast network of choice, um, I am rapidly searching our recruiting class right now. Uh, okay, I the- have I have twenty four seven loaded up. I would uh, so I was doing this exercise with Sean Farrell, who is a high school sports reporter for mm-hmm. the Bergen Record and a former News Edition uh, writer here. And of the 17 Syracuse commits, six of them are from New Jersey, which is great. And we should talk about yes. the Syracuse. You and Christian, <laughs> this is I, we are going to need to have after signing day because I'm scared about commitments until they're actually like, you know, signed. Um, we are going to need, if this were class holds up, we're going to need to have like a deep dive into the pivot that has taken place over the last 18 months in Syracuse recruiting. It is the hardest pivot I've ever seen yeah. in a continuity era, like no head coaching changes. This pivot was direct and like right now, Syracuse is a top 40 recruiting class. Um, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you look at that list, not just of the commits that we have, but of the guys that we're still offering and that are kind of warm, there is a lot of Texas. There is a lot of California. There is a lot of areas that the ACC is looking to expand with these schools that Syracuse is already starting to dive into. And part of that is because California's recruiting profile has taken a nosedive. Football in California, high school football in California, we are not qualified to talk about it but it is other people have written about it it is not what it used to be and it's become the new florida where there's just a mountain of three stars available there and if you find the right connection you find the right program to feed from it could become incredibly valuable to your program and so again i don't think that adding cal and stanford just to add cal and stanford is a good move I think that if you add Cal and Stanford and ESPN chips in the money, there's enough football reasons here where Syracuse playing out there once a year becomes valuable to what it looks like Dino Babers and his staff are trying to do. And again, we're going to go into this more in a little bit, but I have so many questions about this football season and Dino Babers is standing in this season. Um, Tease, 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 tease. Um, but Christian, I'm just I'm just kind of curious as we talk about this, like you've seen this in Jersey where non-Northeast schools, cough, cough, Michigan, have emphasized New Jersey to a level that has fundamentally altered the recruiting in the state. And that is exclusively because realignment. Two things. One, I'm just glad that Jersey recruits are not going to Rutgers. I do have it. <laughs> In, inherent bias against Rutgers um, for reasons that are too long and not necessary for this this podcast. Two, when it comes to ESPN footing the bill on all of this, because I think that's the more pertinent discussion. We can get to what this means for Syracuse recruiting in a bit. Yep. But the more important discussion is, yes, ESPN needs to shell out the money because it's clear that Fox and NBC were willing to shell out money to help the Big Ten and the Big 12 in their conference editions. The thing is, we've seen ESPN, especially in the last couple of months, do some weird things with money, especially when it comes to its distribution of money. 
one day you have them signing Pat McAfee to a multi-million, multi-year deal. The next day they're cutting 30 of 30, 30 plus of their talent staff, including some of its biggest names like Jeff Van Gundy. So right and just from what we've seen, ABC is still thinking about I should say the Disney company and ACC, ABC are still thinking about potentially letting ESPN go somewhere else. So this does mean that if you're right and ESPN bet does make a lot of money, then ACC is in a good position. So maybe add Cowan Stanford and SMU without having it be too much of a financial hit. And then hopefully they can also help with the logistics of all the other sports as well that are going to be affected. And maybe also the addition of the ACC network helps with that as well. Because the ACC network actually is a little bit of a big uh, feather in the ACC's cap and all this as well. Since, I mean, you're not relegating games to Peacock and... Who knows where Fox is going to stream Big 12 Olympic sports, even if they are going to. It's probably going to stay on ESPN. Yeah. Um, and yeah. But if ESPN continues to show the cost cutting measures that it has, especially with its talent division, then it might not have the money to logically continue to try and expand out west or or help an expansion out west for the acc yeah it obviously won't make sense for the sec like that's not going to happen so it has to happen with the acc like you said with washington state and oregon state there's not no no power five school right now is logically thinking a move to the aac is going to be a good decision so if ESPN's financials continue to look seesawy, <laughs> um, in like it has in the past couple of months. Then this doesn't even become a question of whether or not the ACC should expand. It just shouldn't, because the money's just not going to be there. Right, and I think that that's again we kind of touched on it last week. Is that the next five to seven years are going to be proof of concept of whether this bubble continues to grow and solidify itself um, or pops because at this point the metrics show less and less people are signing up for cable streaming is becoming uh, not affordable in the way that people thought it was going to be Um, again we don't know what's going to happen with the writer's strike and how that's going to impact streaming platforms because that's the reality is that streaming has basically become cable. You're buying Peacock for the office and the fact that it has the EPL is a nice to have, or you're buying the EPL and the fact that it has an office is a nice to have. Like they they go hand in hand. It's not just the writer strike. Also it's the actor strike as well. Yep. All these companies also have the deal with the actor strike that's happening right now. Exactly. And so again, this is something that I thought John really distilled well in that tv rev article was this is college sports is now the most valuable inventory that is affordable 
because the NFL is on a on a stratosphere that no one can achieve. No one can match that. Um, Major League Baseball is a is a behemoth of an inventory slog that has its own individual distribution network that is imploding as we watch, but also has the fallback of one of the industry leading streaming techs. So MLB is kind of like this exception to the whole sports rule. Well, baseball will always kind of be there and MLB is going to do its own thing. It doesn't like, it's not worth even bringing baseball to this conversation. Manfred, um, add your team blackouts. I it's, I have, that is a, we can have an offline conversation about that. We can have a podcast about that. I could go on for hours about that. Cause I have, for those who don't know, I used to work at major league baseball. I have like, there's just so much about this that I know and about that. It's about continuing to evolve about this anyways. Um, well, I will be, I will be sticking around to hear this. <laughs> yeah. So the big, the big thing is that when you look at the other professional sports league, the NHL is highly regionalized. It's all about Chicago, New York, uh, and Canada. And then when you look at the NBA, it's not about the regular season rights. It's about the playoff rights. Who has the NBA playoff rights? College football is the only sport where the regular season games and the playoff are all valuable. It extends for a significant period of time. We're talking about months here. And there's enough inventory where you can spread it out because of the number of D1 college football teams that are available. Now, what this means is that you end up in a situation where we are at now, where there are three groups at the top that are essentially dictating what happens with everything else. You have Fox, you have NBC, and you have ABC ESPN. And I think the ABC ESPN piece, like the ACC has aligned itself with the SEC and ABC ESPN. And as John eloquently wrote about in this TV Rev article, it's now about what inventory can ESPN get that is not under that ACC, SEC, every other college sport umbrella that has been under Fox or has been under NBC for years that they can now bring over to their side. And the biggest fish of that is Notre Dame. And so when we go back to the realignment votes, this is where this all comes to crux because it was Notre Dame that wanted SMU. It's Notre Dame that wants access to Texas, wants a Texas game that it can win every year without having to play Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, or any of these schools. It wants to go to Dallas. It wants to beat a bad team in Dallas. And they want a team that like has history so you can roll the black and white clips of SMU versus Notre Dame from the 50s or the 40s or whatever. Um, it makes a ton of sense. And the ACC said, we will do all of this stuff because if you join, we will get a crap ton of money because that means that NBC goes all in on the Big Ten, ESPN goes all in on Notre Dame. Like this whole thing makes sense. And Notre Dame said, no, 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 no. We would like you to add SMU. So that way in the weird ACC football scheduling thing we have, we get to play SMU on a semi-regular basis but we're not joining the conference. And that seems to be the biggest holdup because if you're a Clemson, if you're an FSU, bringing Notre Dame into the conference almost guarantees two things. Payouts go up, imbalanced payouts become the norm. 
in order to make sure that Notre Dame always has a little bit more of the pie. And then if you're Clemson in Florida state, you get a little bit more of the pie and Christian, I don't know about you, but like, I don't know if I like the idea of Notre Dame joining the ACC. I honestly, I'm, I'm more in favor of it. I, I think like, I think that's the lot, what we've been saying for years and the logical way that Syracuse, that not Syracuse, that the ECC should go about the realignment because we knew it would eventually happen, especially after USA and UCLA happened and Oklahoma and Texas happened. What we've been saying is that the most logical thing and the thing that ACC needed to do first and foremost was not only get Notre Dame in, but also get West Virginia back in. Like those were the two schools that the ACC needed to get back in. West Virginia makes sense for a lot of reasons. You have the old Big East schools, obviously, with Syracuse, Pitt, Louisville, even Virginia now. You know, you bring those natural rivalries back in with West Virginia. But, but with Notre Dame, it's, it makes just makes sense since they're already part of the ACC and every other sport except football. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame has that clause in its contract right now. Um, that says if they're going to join the stop being independent, they have to join the ACC. I'm not sure how long that clause clause lasts for. The big holdup, and it just kind of makes sense to the ACC because, at least in my opinion, because it brings a little bit more legitimacy to the conference. Like when we saw that, when we saw it in the COVID year, we saw, we saw a first hand in the COVID year where Notre Dame joined the ACC just out of necessity to get games in. It kind of yeah. raised the level of the conference, and that was and and that worked well. It, it felt like that that was one of the last years that you know the ACC fielded multiple very competitive teams in the league, and that was mainly a lot of the Notre Dame effect. And then when it when Notre Dame went back to being independent, that kind of slowly waned. Uh, the big holdup right now, and it always comes back to TV, is that NBC deal. Yeah, Because for those who do not know, because this kind of happened a while ago, and it, it's probably lost in the shuffle of all of this news, especially with all the big other schools that are moving conferences, is that Notre Dame has a new president. And their new president is the former head of NBC. So Notre Dame is more likely than not, just because of that relationship, going to strike a strike a much more secure contract with NBC just in general. And so this is all in the ACC's court now to try and coax Notre Dame away from that NBC deal, which is going to be one of the most difficult things to do, especially yeah. with the guy who is now leading Notre Dame. Yeah, I I just I just look at this whole thing and I don't like that this conference's future is tied to Notre Dame, but it really is. And it is. Mm-hmm. The problem is that Notre Dame independence is such a such a talking point and I do think that the Big 10 is sitting here going, "Look, adding Notre Dame makes a ton of sense for what we're trying to do. We have USC in here, like that's one of the rivalry games that Notre Dame clearly cares about. Um, 
it's it's just a a question of how much tradition actually holds the hand of the Super League. Because I think at this point, we are getting a college football Super League. I have I have made peace with this that in my lifetime there is going to be a two conference college football system where there are teams in the West and teams in the East and they will meet in the playoff every year. And it doesn't matter if ESPN doesn't have the regular season games, they have the playoff. That's all anybody cares about. Um, but one, if we get that, we're doing pro rel, just that needs to be a prerequisite. Yeah, and that calling, has to be has calling to that be. now, please. Uh, but two Notre Dame sitting here as the domino of being like, we value independence. We value our rivalries. We value X, Y, and Z is kind of the whole reason that this system hasn't completely gone that way yet. And and, and I don't know. I think Notre Dame joining the ACC under some conditions where it is a full-time ACC member, but maybe they get to play an extra non-conference game a year. So that way they get to keep their rivalries or whatever. Like, I don't care just get Notre Dame into the ACC in order to make sure that the ACC can be the third conference because that's what, because that's what everybody's fighting for right now is that it is the big 12, the ACC and everybody else trying to be that third conference with the big 10 and the SEC. And the big 12 has, you has done like all credit to that leadership group. They played this really, really well. They looked like they were, you know, shit out of luck for a long period of time and lo and behold they sit here and they're actually in pretty damn good shape the biggest hold up with the big 12 is that they don't have any type of streaming service which has been a fox decision for the longest time it remains to be see how long they'll they'll hold out on that for because if if fox finally decides to give and start some sort of streaming service, that's when it gets really dicey for AC, for yeah. the ESPN. And I think, again, we don't know. We don't know where it's going. All we know is that for right now, uh, Syracuse is in the ACC, which has a TV deal, has a grant of rights. We're pretty much set for now. What happens next is, is anyone's guess. Um, but if you would like to rep or you are a fan of any of the schools that we have just talked about for the last 30 minutes, let me tell you about a little t-shirt company out of Indianapolis called Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel is your one-stop shop for the best vintage college gear back when we didn't have to care about realignment and we could only care about, man, I really hated that school for reasons that don't make any sense, but it's okay because we hated them. Uh, they have some of the best stuff. It is Big 12 week. Um well, not really Big 12 week anymore, but it's Kansas, Missouri, uh, Kansas State, all dropping on the site this week. Some great collections. They added UTEP as well. Uh, check them out at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, use promo code NUNES23, N-U-N-E-S-2-3, for 15% off your first order at Home Field Apparel. Uh, I got my Syracuse 1959 national champions undefeated shirt today it is glorious vita the goat will forever be the undefeated champion of the syracuse t-shirts this 1959 t-shirt is very close give me a season it might usurp vita just saying uh as the wonderful 
amazing. Steve Haller is coming out for halftime. He has been cleared by the medical staff. He is now coming in for the second half of this podcast. That I am. That I am. You cleared concussion you? protocol, right, Steve? Right? Yeah, I I, I cleared uh, cleared Rosamund Gifford Zoo in time to make it back for uh, for the second half. <laughs> of the pod. Oh, good. So you didn't do a Yankees training staff and get misdiagnosed with a concussion because you didn't run into a guy's knee and potential potentially that might cause problems instead of just a stiff neck. No, no, no. We're we're good here. Ah. <laughs> uh... Although man, you guys have some unresolved baseball trauma to work out. Meanwhile, the Pirates are winning right now. I'm having a great time. Let's not talk about what happened this afternoon. Let's move on. Baseball has been over for like two months. I don't know what you're talking about. Ooh, what happened this afternoon? Did Yuri Perez, Yuri Perez, you? No, it was much worse. Uh oh. Don't 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 don't. Sorry, now I'm intrigued. No, oh, no. Oh, top headline on MLB.com. No. Marlin. Oh, oh, oh my. Oh, oh my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the last good part of his team, the bullpen. Yep. Yeah, we, don't, know, we didn't need that, did we? All I'm going to say is, you know what? It's great to be a Pirates fan right now. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, Steve, you joined us just in time as we're going to talk about fall camp. Uh, you missed the realignment oh. talk. And now we're going to talk about the uh, football fall camp. Uh, shout out to um, those who are covering fall camp. It seems like there is less coverage this year than you would normally get. Maybe that's because you make camp super closed and you don't make it super accessible for everybody to, uh, to cover camp. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Uh, but it is happening. We are getting closer and closer to the regular season start. Um, last week, we talked about the injuries that were taking place along the offense, uh, the defensive line uh, and the linebacking group. This week, we're talking about bodies joining the roster. Miles Farmer, a suspended starting safety, formerly of Nebraska, has joined the team. Um, he was the second leading tackler on Nebraska last year. And Matt Rule, the current head coach of Nebraska, who came in this offseason, uh, did not give any details as to why Farmer was suspended again and why he was in the transfer portal or any of these things. Just that, uh, quote, he failed to adhere to team standards, um, unquote. And Farmer's a really good player. He's a redshirt junior. Um, he's somebody that when I was listening to the um, Split Zone Duo preview podcast of the Big Ten, they talked about him on Nebraska as like a key part of that secondary. Syracuse is now adding somebody that I – spiritually feel like fits into that rover position really nicely uh i'm you know for for the record i think uh i think the rover spot for you is like offensive line talk for me yeah oh (laughs) dude i I grew up watching i grew up watching troy i grew up watching troy paul malu play safety with the steelers i i like there's a part of me that clicked the other day where I realized that I grew up watching a like really funky three three five that was disguised as a three four defense for years because of Troy Polamalu. It, it it's taken me a while to get there. Uh, Troy Polamalu didn't play safety. He played wherever he damn well pleased. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he was all a favor at it. Anyways, we're not here to talk about Troy Polamalu and his amazing hair. We're here to talk about the rover position. We're here to talk about the uh, Miles Farmer. For the records. I've got a ways to go. I'm sitting there with the lettuce. Uh, so. Christian, I guess I guess we're kind of interested because like one of the positions that we did not talk about last week in depth was the secondary. Um, but there is a lot of turnover in that secondary, and Miles Farmer being added to the group is another new face in what might be a starting lineup of all new faces. Like it's it's Most. yes and no. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yes and no because because the the starting because he was a safety. However, the starting safeties are locked. We know what the right. starting safeties are because the only person who's coming in to replace a person on in the safeties is Jason Simmons Jr., who basically was a starting safety last year because he just played whenever Elijah Clark and Jahad Carter rotated out. And mm-hmm. so now that Jahad Carter's out, Simmons slots right in. So your safeties are set. It's Simmons, Barron, and Clark. The question is your cornerbacks because you don't have Garrett Williams, you don't have Deuce Chestnut. And from what we've seen in the past, backups are hit and miss, except for one. We know Isaiah Johnson's probably going to be one of the starters. It's who's going to play opposite him. Well, and so, my question with that is, are those safeties locked? Because if you bring in Turner or Farmer, sorry. Uh, well, yes, if you true. Yeah. Farmer, if you... do, no, do, does Eliza, Elijah Clark move to that other starting corner spot? Yeah. I'm going to say no, because I think they really like Clark at safety. And just because of Clark's body and physical type, they're going to need someone who can cover bigger receivers in the slot, which is kind of the trend that is now turning in football right now. And so Clark fills that role perfectly. So I yeah. think they'll keep, if any, if anyone, they'll replace one of Baron or Simmons. If you, if you want someone that's, Big and physical, farmers six three two hundred, playing safety. That is tr- so. That is true, and so that's why you would probably only replace Simmons then, instead of Clark, yeah. because then you have both sides of the slot covered. I don't think no, he would play a rover. I don't, I'm sorry. Just next man. Uh, would that? Do you think there's any chance that Simmons would move outside, or is does that just no, put him I to think next? He, I think he. You just move Simmons into the role that he was in last year, which was. Who never needs right. a rest? He get he gets a rest. Simmons slots right in, and there's little noticeable drop off in play in the safeties because Simmons is good enough to be a starter. Yeah. And I don't think, and I and I don't think he'll replace Barron in the rover because while, as Andy mentioned, and as we've all mentioned, he has the physical attributes to be a rover. For those who don't know, six three two hundred is what Farmer is listed as. Um, that rover is the quarterback of the defense. And so it needs acclimation time to understand how to order that defense around efficiently. And because Barron's already done that for a year, he might as well continue to do so for said year. And it's going to be pretty hard for Farmer to learn how to quarterback a defense that he's only going to be part of for, at this point, three weeks until the first game of the season. So, right. You're also if if you want to put him in the starting, if you want to if you want him starting, it's probably going to be in part of Simmons in place of Simmons. 
no, and and again, that brings up the similar to what we're doing with the running backs. Uh, is that a you know farmer over the first two gets comfortable, and then by game three against Purdue, he's ready to go full speed, and he's the starter, and Simmons is on the bench. Payne Durham's not there anymore, right? I don't know. I don't think so. No, he's with Tampa. Yeah, that's not Purdue. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, I just I just feel like the secondary for the last few years it's been locked down corners and the safety position is a bit of a wild card. Um once Cisco left. And I feel like this year the safety position was locked down and the cornerbacks were a wild card. Um but again, one of the things that I think is most interesting about this team is that we saw what Tony White could do and we were obviously three of the biggest cheerleaders in the Tony white fan club. Um, but we now no longer have Tony white. We got Tony white's OG version of him. And I think that there's a lot of thought that, Oh, it's still a three, three, five. It's going to be the same thing. I'm, I'm not so sure. Like, I think that there's like a, a non zero chance that, um, this defense looks a lot different just because what Tony white did so well was be flexible consistently. And I think we saw, we, I, if you watch college football last year, you saw TCU use a three, three, five, that was not flexible. Like that Georgia tech or that Georgia, not Georgia tech, that Georgia <laughs> national championship, two game. vastly different teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That Georgia national championship game showed you to like, hey, this is why teams don't run the three three five all the time. But that was a three three five defense that kind of did the same thing game in and game out and got you to the national championship game. Michigan had no idea what to do with it. Um, so I so I'm I consider myself a little curious to see if we're going to see the same level of flexibility in the defense this year as we saw last year. Which makes the but the secondary is so important to the three three five. <laughs> well, yes, I mean that's it's the trademark of it, uh, uh, along with the linebackers. Like those are those eight guys are what makes your defense hum. And we've already heard from players that it feels like they've got a better understanding of the three three five just in general well, because of Rocky Long, obviously because guy who created the defense is probably going to be the best guy to teach you about said defense. So it feels like the players are digesting more what the concepts of what this defense is supposed to do correctly. And hopefully coach long has some of the same versatility that white showed when he was coaching the Syracuse uh, defense as well. As long as we just don't see zone coverage from the cornerbacks, I'll be happy. <laughs> nice. Or, and it, as long as the quarterbacks actually press on the line for once, because, bless you, Randy, because that was zone coverage and soft soft press from the cornerbacks drive, has driven me to the points of insanity over the past three years. How how many times does that come up in the slack during uh, games? <laughs> it, it comes up for me at least once every other drive. Oh, yeah. Um, and sometimes three times a drive. Yeah, that sounds right. And it's that's usually fine. on a third down. 
so outside of Baron, uh, Farmer is the biggest DB on the roster, which is nice. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's but again, not to go back to my you know my well, but like that's kind of what made Cisco so impressive as the rover was that he was able to be the edge run stuffer as well as a physically imposing defensive back to like match up with either, you know, chip the inside guy that you wanted to run like the quick, you know, quick dump to on a zone read or match up with that tight end that doesn't really have a matchup. Um, it, 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 we can get into Syracuse's recruitment of all the tight ends in a second, <laughs> but, yeah. but it does feel like this is the kind, like this is the kind of guy you take and like Steve, we've talked about this a lot before. This is the kind of guy you take a flyer on, you know, you throw you, you bet on your culture, you bet on your locker room culture. You say, look, doesn't matter what he's coming in with. What matters is that once he's in here, he's going to be productive because we know his talent and we, we are betting on our team culture, which again is the in, inside the lines, not measured in analytics thing, but for all the things that we've seen about Syracuse, I do think that Dino has a solid hold on the culture of this program. Like it does seem like the guys who are there are bought in now, a lot of guys don't buy in and they leave very quickly, but the ones that do willingly come in via the transfer portal seem to seem to buy in and seem to stick around. Almost, the like, thing with, almost like what Mac's doing? Yeah. Hey! Well, the biggest thing with Farmer also is that um, it, it, is that the, his biggest red flag is the off-the-field issues, seemingly, from what we just know about what the situation is. And from what we've seen this offseason, it seems like as long as you know you're respected in the locker room, most of the team's gonna have your back if off the field situations arise. Seems so, to be that case. Um stupid, stupid thing. Uh Andy, you were bringing up tight ends and how we're recruiting all of them. Right? This is a team. All right. Uh I'm gonna set the I'm gonna set the over under at we're gonna go six and a half. Now, on do you total, count Oronde Gadsden as a tight, a tight end? No, I'm talking Good. actual people with their hands on the line. Good. Uh, the total <laughs> number of passes last season caught by Syracuse tight ends. Linus I think it was. Yeah, no, I was exactly Andy. I think it was three, and I think it was all by Max Mang. Uh, it's, it's, it is the under, but it is six, five by Max Mang and one by Dan Valari. Oh, hey. Dan Valari. Under Dan did have a reception last year. Um, but yeah, uh, Mang at no point, uh, had a more than a single reception in a game. It was every, every other game he had a reception, uh, and a total of 31 yards receiving, and yet somehow we're recruiting all of the tight ends. Well, the I question think that... is, are we going to play them as tight ends? Because Syracuse is highly rated recruit right now in the class of 2024, Jamie Tremble has come out and said that Syracuse coaches are recruiting him to replace Oronde Gatsden, which hmm. means he's not going to play tight end. Right. <laughs> Even though he's going to be listed in position, 
as a tight end. And right. it is going to trick every recruiting or college whatever site, draft site, college football analyst site to rank him as a tight end. Mm-hmm. Even though he the, is so clearly a slot wide receiver. The the yep. thing that I think makes a ton of sense, and I forget, I think it was Kevin, maybe it was Steve, maybe I'm confusing you and Kevin here in the Slack. Um, but one of you guys was just like, look, try to get as many big lanky guys that create matchup problems over the middle. Like that, that seems to be what they're going for. And I don't hate it because it does kind of make sense. Like if these guys were faster, they'd be wide receivers. If they'd be, if they were stronger, they'd be tight ends and they'd be going to bigger schools. And so Syracuse is saying it's taking that linebacker philosophy that we talk about all the time in recruiting Give us all of your tweeners, except we're now taking the tweeners on offense instead of the tweeners on defense. And tweener, you. I don't. What was that? Tweener, you. That's an awful <laughs> title. No, I despise that. Tweener, we'll, you. We'll workshop that one. We'll come up with something a little better. I don't I, think we should. I don't think we should. We think we should just. Up. I yeah. think we should just axe that right now on the production floor. And Let's just. just let yeah, it we'll die. pump that. Yeah, we'll pump that. <laughs> I was gonna say tweener, you sounds like something not safe to say on air yeah no um, <laughs> the third down pun on that one yeah yeah there <laughs> we're gonna iowa that one that we're gonna iowa no, that's that not one. a third down punt that's a dan orlovsky run out of the end zone <laughs> yukon legend dan orlovsky never let anybody forget that uh but yeah I, I i think it makes a ton of sense for syracuse to do what they're doing and recruiting and i guess this is a good this is a good segue to kind of talk about this is that um it seems like based off the very limited camp footage we have, there is not a ton of the recruits who are coming in who are going to be that instant like four-star impact starting every every game guy that we've become accustomed to with Dino at the jump. We know someone is going to get hurt. It's going to suck. And one of them is going to need to come in and, like, and do something. Um, I've accepted that as just fate of being with Syracuse. But... With this, with this expected to be more experienced squad, um, looking at the first two games of the year, uh, we're looking at a Colgate and Western Michigan games where Colgate is bad and Western Michigan is bad and rebuilding. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see how much rotation we get now that the secondary has some bodies. The offensive line, feels like a bit of a revolving door at every position. Like it, it feels like this, these first few games of the year might be more experimental than we're used to, even though I know that that's not always Dino's style. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. What we did, what did we talk about last week? Remember that Wagner game last year where the ones <laughs> were out at the end of the third quarter. Yeah. I now on defense, I bet we'll see a whole lot of change and messing around and figuring things out. But uh, Dino, not one to pull the plug on his offense uh, all that quickly. He also doesn't show a lot early, though. Like, you know, we've got new, we've got new OC this year. Um, again, I think the expectation is that there's not going to be a ton of differentiation between Beck and an A. But I'm going to say meet the new OC, same as the old OC. But I, I like... 
there have been games like I just can never get out of my head the um the Ohio game from a few years ago where Tommy DeVito was the starting quarterback. And I'm pretty sure they ran a total of five plays the entire game. Like they won the game pretty handily, but I think they ran five plays out of the same formation yeah. for the entire game. <laughs> As Steve plays with his hair. Yeah, I have a Sinku Who thing going on. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> we're all thrown of watching Steve become a member of Whoville right now. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. I wonder how many kids actually know what Dr. Seuss and Whoville is right now, which is a bit stressing fact. Can confirm at least one six-year-old does. Well, at least you're raising him right. Indeed. Between that he... and the Batman versus or Batman and Scooby-Doo mysteries, we're we're killing it. Oh, that's Hanna Barbera. Great. Oh, great the, show back there. Yeah, the, uh, the comic series. Oh, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know who else is a superhero on campus? Coach Mac. <laughs> uh, we're talking some Syracuse soccer here. Um, it was actually really funny today. I have a friend who works at a uh, works as a broadcaster in the college sports ranks. He calls a lot of college soccer for the school that he works at. And he was asking me, he's like, can you explain to me soccer academies? And is it good that we have a player on our roster who went to a Manchester United Academy? And I was like, well, let's talk about soccer. Like, Here's the breakdown of soccer academies, but let me talk to you about the soccer like proliferation of academy dropouts that exists throughout the world and why Coach Mack is the best at getting all of these guys, which led me to realizing this year's team has uh, a former member of the Dortmund Academy, a.k.a. the academy that every young player wants to go to, yeah. and the Villarreal Academy. Like They do pretty good, too. Mac is Mac is firing on all cylinders right now in the recruitment space, and it's kind of hilarious. Remember yeah. what he said at the end of the game last year, at the end of the championship game last year. They have a bunch of Germans on their team for a reason. <laughs> I always love how candid he is with that sort of stuff. He's just like, yeah, I, why wouldn't I? <laughs> well, it's in, it's it's in the Englishman nature. Yeah, I mean, the English are self-deprecating just as as a nation in general. Yep. And no Englishman is going to disagree with me on that. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> it's, it's a, all you need it's, to know. All you need to. All I need to do is to prove that fact is to just show you why Arsenal fan TV is so popular. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh wow! That's, hey, hey, I'm... we're one. We're we're one. We're one to know. Okay, we got three points. <laughs> yeah, you could barely beat the guy you just let go on a transfer. We we were fielding Kai Havertz, okay? I feel like that that's like you that automatic. Him. You legitimately <laughs> bought him. You <laughs> made an effort to buy Kai Havertz as your nine. I could have told you this is a bad idea. Well, technically, he's not a nine. He's really yeah, like he's not a eight. nine. He's Arteta. Arteta is getting drunk with power, and I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I mean, Havertz plays more of that Firmino. Like you are a nine on paper, and then you just kind of rove kind of in the pocket, but. Um, so either way, time. I was, yeah, I it's like not quite though, but is, but I don't know. Um, I was up there last night, watched the exhibition. Uh, there are so many god dang kids on this roster, it's not even funny. I think they're carrying like 35 <laughs> or 37 right now. Uh, it's stupid. 
that including the 10 people they bought in this offseason? Yeah. Oh, there's more than 10. I think there's like 14 or something. Jeez. Um, and like to the point where somebody was wearing Noah's. Uh, so Singleman and uh, uh, Booster were on the on the pine in sweats. Uh, whether that's just because Mac already knows, it, like first exhibition, Mac already knows what he's getting out of those two. Yeah. He may have just been like, "Nah, it just you guys just hang out here and we'll dress the other seventy-five kids we have." Um, because when they were subbing, it was legit line changes. Like they ran through <laughs> all three keepers. They subbed a keep. They subbed a keeper in the middle of the first half. I shit you not. Uh, and then proceeded to. Uh, each sub, each sub break they had, they subbed at least six kids. It's gonna it be was so, changes. We were gonna playing be so, hockey out there. It's going to be so funny when it's a platoon that just. Oh yeah, just you know, instead of changing tactics, you just change the entire team. <laughs> no, he's changing. He's changing tactics by changing the team by changing personnel, and not just one guy. Remember, remember back in like. 2019, 2020, 2021, where Mac would sometimes switch to 442. Yeah. He's yeah. gonna do that by just line changes. <laughs> it's like, no, we're just gonna bring in a complete different uh backline and midfield unit. Just it's fine. Um so started out in the uh the standard, you know, three four three. Um Jonah still looked good. Uh Olu was at center back. Um Gavin Wig got the other start. Uh, or one of the other starts at center back. The other guy was wearing Noah's jersey, and I have no idea who it was. Uh, it was definitively not Singleman, since he was kind of standing next to us. So um, I know it wasn't him, but he looked fine. A uh, little shaky of the three, but uh, overall it was, um, you know, the, there's not much to glean against a match against Canisius, but it was good to see them out there and, you know, running and getting getting some some reps in. Um against Canisius, like they were just far and away the more athletic and able to uh get away on things that uh or get away with things and just overpower people and um i actually left in like the 60th minute because there was lightning in the area and i uh you're not muted andy and um oh, my bad <laughs> <laughs> shit <laughs> so uh oh, that was funny <laughs> it was great um, there was a line change or a line change from Canisius. Uh, they brought in their second or third or whatever squad, and every one of them was at least a foot shorter than everybody on Syracuse's team. And I was like, I'm not going to gain anything from watching this, so I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I man. guess I guess one of the big questions that I've been asked about Syracuse soccer that I don't think I can answer was that we saw last year that the the attacking the finishing prowess. Let me rephrase. The attacking prowess was really like a whole team philosophy, and that has always been something with Mac. But the finishing prowess was really limited to two guys, uh, one of which is playing over in Europe uh, right now <laughs> it, yes. at a high at a high level. Started um, on Saturday, so we, we're that's really hard to replace at any sport in college. Like you have a player at that level. You can't necessarily reload. I guess the question is that I that that I have on behalf of a lot of other people is who who are going who is going to score the goals for this team? Because that's always kind of been the, the staple between a great MAC team and and a solid MAC team is is having that elite finisher. Right, and they they trotted out to start. Um, 
transfer in uh trying to remember his first name but diagostino i believe it's felipe um trotted him and yeah. <laughs> uh was it nick kalukian out there uh as uh, with uh, leandro baselli who was around last year uh in the whole kind of facilitating for them uh a similar formation to what we saw last year with uh somebody behind johnson and apoku um yeah worked out well later on in the contest you saw kind of a shift to a more traditional like christmas tree um and there was also there was some some interesting interplay like um you saw baselli get some run out wide as well um so overall i mean they they showed a couple of different looks nothing earth shattering but just a couple of different variations on what you usually see from mac uh there did look to be talent up front there were some people making some very nice runs but again, it's against Canisius. I don't know. Like, I guess no matter what you're seeing, you're seeing patterns and you're seeing runs and you're seeing what people are doing. Everyone was very active up front. Uh, it was it was good to see. Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes compared to what we see when the season starts. Um, I believe there's two more exhibitions: one on Wednesday, one on this coming Saturday. I may try and make it up to Wednesday, depending on. Um, you know, various familial obligations, but um, yeah, it uh, it's going to be going to be a good run. So we'll see. We'll see how everything goes. The number one ranked men's soccer program. Just a reminder, they are the first Syracuse team in a long while to open the season at number one in the coaches poll, even field hockey when they were repeating as national champions uh, only opened the season as number one, the one time. Um, and it was not the year that they were repeating as national champions, which is really annoying, but you know, let's, uh, leave that to the voters. Uh, uh Mateo Levesque, you'll hear that name a lot this year, by the way, uh, new kind of number eight, a uh, little more offensive focused, but, uh, was kind of all over the place, uh, facilitated and, uh, scored one of the four goals last night. So, uh, he's one you're definitely going to hear the name of. Ah, nice. Yes. Ne- yes. I was going to say. Um, shout out to all the people who are listening from Bedsty, Brooklyn, all three of you, probably, uh, there was a place across the street from me called Nice pizza and they served French pizza and they always had the Nice game on. Uh, they closed after operating for 15 years, uh, this week. Very sad. Makes me upset. They were a great soccer bar. Um, but I saw that Syracuse had a Nice guy on it. And I was like, of all the freaking years, I could have gotten the Syracuse game on there by just saying, like, look, I can get you a, I can show you a Nice player in this game. We've got connections. <laughs> got connections. connections. Uh, but I think that is our show for this week. Uh, we are getting closer and closer to kickoff. Next week, we will begin the football previews in earnest. So prepare yourself for schedule reading. Prepare yourself for record predictions. Prepare yourself for Andy to mess up the names of half the members of the football team this year. It's going to bring back all the hits that you're used to hearing. Uh, and, and not just next... one football team, two football teams. Hey, that's all going to begin next week here on the Disloyal Idiots podcast, a fan's first sports nation podcast uh make sure that you like and subscribe on the podcast player of choice it helps us trick the ai into expanding the ottoman empire if you are watching this on twitch thank you so much we really appreciate the support we do this mostly every night sundays uh at 8 p.m eastern uh you can watch us live there or you can watch the replay as we embed it in our articles 
on our friends at newsmagician.com. Uh, if you are listening or reading to us from there, we again, we appreciate the support as we have navigated away from SB Nation, uh, but we appreciate our Noons friends for continually supporting us. And finally, thank you as always to our sponsors, Home Field Apparel. Use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S 23, for 15% off your first order at Home Field Apparel. Gentlemen, we are back in the swing of things. I'm excited. Go Orange. Go Orange. Go Orange.